You're listening to The Paul Higgins Show, the place for ambitious tech consultants with purpose. After 18 years as a global sales leader and having a successful tech consulting exit, I'm sharing what's working now to transform emerging tech consultants worldwide into trusted consultants that attract the best clients and deliver measurable results. When you're ready to level up your clarity, results and freedom, begin with the free tech consulting blueprint available at techconsultantsblueprint.com. Imagine this, you have the skills and expertise from another sector and want to join the Salesforce ecosystem, but you're unsure how. Today, I'll answer that. And if you're a partner, this is going to help you to bring in more highly talented females into the Salesforce ecosystem, because that is exactly what we need. Hello, I'm Paul Higgins, and welcome to episode 502 of the Cloud Consultants Show. In this podcast, we explore ways for cloud consultants and SaaS partners to thrive by avoiding common pitfalls and embracing best practices. Our guest today is Pallavi Agawa. She's the founder of Counter Consult, a woman and immigrant founder of a Salesforce boutique consulting firm. Her passion is finding ways to help clients determine their true path and identify the technology which can be the vehicle to achieve the North Star through the strategic implementations and project management. She believes that it's all about the business processes and understanding the why of the user experience and customers to, to really drive the business outcomes for clients. She's over 15 years of management consulting experience. Pallavi enjoys traveling, snowboarding, hiking, and riding a bike. She is also passionate about mentoring women in the community for personal and career growth which she will talk about very much so in this podcast. And she's the winner of a prestigious Salesforce Golden Woody Award for her community and customer impact. And she co-leads the DC Admin Salesforce Group as well. So what I'll do now is hand you over to Pallavi Agawa from Kanda Consult. Great to have you here, Pallavi. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, well, I know you're on a worldwide tour at the moment. I think you're recording here from London. I'm in Melbourne, Australia, and you're from San Fran, so a lovely global feel. But why don't we kick off with who your ideal clients are and what problems you love to solve for them? Yeah, our ideal clients are mostly people who want to take advantage of CRM to advance their businesses. So we have customers that we focus on for small businesses to enterprise, but they're really just customers that are looking to take their business, automate it, create efficiencies, be able to use technology in a way to support. So you can really focus on what they're good at, which is running their businesses in the way they can serve their customers, their communities, and let the technology play its part to help support and really accelerate that business and keep it in a competitive way in the industry. Right. And I know in the the intro that I said you, you know, support or part of the Salesforce ecosystem. Are you multi-cloud, particular clouds that you, you focus on? Yeah, we focus a lot on the core platform clouds. So sales cloud, service cloud, experience cloud, marketing, Pardot. Then we also specialize in some industry clouds as well. Part of that reason is we focus on the core first because that core is really needed to build anything for a customer, especially when they're starting in their CRM journey. And then our motto is to be our customer's partner and advisors, not just consultants who come in and do the job, but actually be in the journey with them. So in that regard, we really need to be multifaceted. So that way, when a customer needs something, we either can deliver it ourselves or we have partnerships within our company with other partners that can provide that service for our customer to then in truly be their one-stop advisory shop. 
brilliant. And and in starting out, did you start with one in particular, or were you you know multi cloud to begin with? So when we started out, I had personal experience in CPQ, sales cloud, and service cloud. So we really started there. We focused on the core of sales cloud for the most part, and then expanded into experience, service, and others. Yeah, great, great. And what are some of the common themes of of opportunities or business challenges that you see and solve for your clients? (laughs) I think the biggest part is most of the customers who are investing in the technology don't really know about the technology. That's why they're coming to consulting firms like ours. And sometimes we get so focused on how should we build the system versus what is the business trying to do? Yes. And in that journey, the clients are also trying to explain how they want the technology to be built versus explaining what their business does or should be doing. And that's one of the challenges that we find. So we do a lot of design workshops and design thinking to really bring it back to the business. How is this going to scale the business and bring it to the future? How is it going to help them stay competitive? But also, how is the adoption going to be for the technology that we're building for all the different clouds that we focus on in Salesforce? Yeah. And is there anything in particular you do? So within the workshops, yeah, just tell us a little bit about how you run those, how yeah. they're structured, because I know everyone, every partner does it different. Yeah, everyone does do it differently. Uh, we do ours a little unique. We started off with being technology agnostic. We're not allowed to talk about the systems in the initial conversations because we just want to understand their business. What do you do end to end? How do you start with having a lead or a prospect, but then how do you close that deal and how do you provide those services? How do you invoice and get the money? How do you market yourself? Like we ask all those questions in a business transformation way of focusing on their business processes. What is working? What is not working? And in the background, we have our architects sitting in those sessions, listening in to start thinking about that solution and how it's going to work. But we don't use technical terms in those sessions. Yeah, great. I know it's a bit like a piece of string, but how many sessions does that normally take? Yeah, on average, it's about six to eight sessions that we have with our customers because one thing is in order to be successful for a customer and their implementations, it's really about them also having commitment and time for these implementations. So after every session, they have homework they have to go do to be prepared for the next meeting and come back. So it's a very collaborative effort. So they're off thinking about the next session, what are some of the inputs that are required while we are going away with the information we had in the session that we completed and already analyzing it and figuring out ways to improve the systems. Yeah, great. Is it a you know hybrid, in-person, only virtual? Give us a bit so, of an idea of that. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I started the company in 2018 and I created yeah. it as a remote company and never thought about the pandemic coming our way. So I think I was lucky in that regard because we've always been 100% global and remote. Yeah. So we rarely meet our customers in person. I mean, now we are a little bit because... People want to, they crave the in-person again, but for the most part, we run our sessions virtually. We use virtual whiteboards and different technologies to make it successful. Yeah. It's funny. Like I started my business in 2011 virtually and back then it was unheard of. Like people just didn't understand what, what, what you can't have come and have a coffee with me. I'm like, no, I'm happy to have a a video, you know, back then it was Skype or whatever it was. I'm happy to have a Skype with you. I'm not going to come and meet you. And uh, (laughs) as you know, and everyone knows COVID helped force that through because uh, certainly for me, I'm immune suppressed. So I couldn't take the risk of meeting people and that, that made it a bit easier. But now, like even now with video, right? Everyone's got their their, uh, Zoom (laughs) video on before we even uh, have to ask. So, 
different. So it's great. So you said you started in 2018. Take us to the moment of when you finally decided that's it. I'm leaving corporate America and I'm actually going to start my own business. It's a journey. I'm Indian descent and my last name is Agarwal. And in the Indian culture, Agarwals are known to be businessmen. So it's kind of entrepreneurship's in my family blood. So my father has always insisted I start my own company. I just, I didn't think I was ever going to be ready or when I was going to be ready. So I actually created Candor back in 2015, 2016 timeframe, but I just kept renewing the domains and the LLCs for the for it. Cause it's like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. In 2018, I finally felt ready because through my careers, I've always seeked out my next position to learn more about how to run a business. And the last place I was at, I finally did the portfolio management, the BD part that was missing in my career tool belt. And after that, in 2018, when I decided to try this on my own, I felt I was more equipped than I would have been in the past. So that was kind of the time where it just felt right to leave corporate America and try it. And I gave myself a year. I was like, I'm going to try it for a year. Let's see what happens. And if it works, then I'll tell people I have a company. So we actually didn't do the launch party till 2019. (laughs) (laughs) And when you say you gave yourself a year, did you have a year's worth of salary to support you or was it, no, I'll just you know do it for a year and hope that the best. Yeah. It was literally just diving into the deep end yeah. and saying, okay, I'm doing this. I had no clients, nothing. I was just like, all right, let's see what happens. And that's when I picked up the phone and I started calling everybody in my network to say, Hey, remember me? I used to consult for you through corporate America. Now I'm doing this on my own. Do you have any work? And little by little, just hustling. That's how I was able to land a contract or two within a couple months. And then I just kept hustling and making those relationships and getting involved in the trailblazer community, learning about the community and really expanding my network that way. Yeah. Great. Well, we're going to touch on that in a moment, but just one other question, you know, you did BD, like you said, in your last role, business development, how different was it in corporate America versus the real life of running (laughs) your own business? I think it was different in the sense, like, you know, in corporate America, I was still getting a nice salary and, you know, just had to go wine and dine and make things happen. And structure was already there. There was already kind of a playbook and some of those relationships already existed. And I just had to groom those relationships versus go hunt for new ones. When I started my own company, I literally didn't know what I was doing. There was no playbook. I was literally trying to figure it out. I was calling and relying on my relationships I'd built in the past with some of our customers and the network I'd built versus having like a black book that I could just pick up and call and like they knew me or something like that or have an established brand. Yeah, yeah. And I must admit, I always remember that first meeting I went because, you know, I was a director at Coca-Cola and then I stepped into a, it was a workshop and someone said, what do you do? And I just froze because when I was at Coca-Cola, if I was in a social environment, I used to say, you know, I'm a forklift driver or something like that because everyone always wanted product or a job off you. So I'd just downplay what I did and a forklift (laughs) driver, well, he's not important. We'll just skip him. So it's always did that. But when I finally had to say what I did, it was like, oh my God, what do I do? That was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you touched on the trailblazer community and the work you're doing. I know you're you're really passionate about empowering women in the Salesforce ecosystem. So, tell us a little bit about, other than what's obvious, why, and, <laughs> and then we can go into the how. 
Yeah. I mean, there's so few of us in the tech industry to begin with as women, right? So I really, truly do believe in women in tech, empowering each other. But a lot of people helped me when I started my career in Salesforce and building my company. And along that journey, as I was meeting others, one thing I found that was a little disheartening was there were all of these career changers that felt like they had to start at zero to switch careers into the community and uh, become a Salesforce uh, consultant. And that really hurt me because it's like, they're coming with so much experience. Why are they feeling this way about themselves? And that's kind of where the mentoring and the coaching just started for me naturally to remind them that there's so many transferable skills that you can take that just because you're learning a new technology doesn't mean that you have to start from the bottom. There's a lot that you've learned, built your career on in the past that can can still apply to mid-level or even executive positions, even if the technology is new. And that was my experience through my career. I switched technologies all the time. And, you know, Salesforce was new to me. I hadn't even gotten into Salesforce till end of 2016. And in 2018, I started my own company on it. So technology is something that can be learned, but the skills that you are transferring, like communication, client presentations, just the way you can stand in front of a room or your technical skill sets of things that you know outside of the technology, those are key things that you can bring over. So I just wanted to help others like people had helped me to remind me even that, hey, Pallavi, you might not know Salesforce, but you're a strong consultant. You've done this before. And that's what I was trying to remind these women and I continue to remind Yeah, brilliant. And you said that you got a lot of help, which is great. Just pull out some of those key lessons that, you know, have been pivotable in in your five-year career in Candor Consult. Yeah. I mean, the biggest one was when I came into the community, I I didn't think I belonged because I'm not an admin. I'm not an architect or developer. And, you know, the tracks are so well-defined. You're an admin, an architect or a developer. And now finally there's a designer track and a BA track. But when I started, that didn't exist. So I always was like, where do I belong? Maybe I don't belong here. And people had to remind me that, no, you do belong. You're a consultant. You have so much you can offer. And that's how I got started by talking about what it means to be a consultant in this community. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really powerful because, you know, you, you already summed it up really well before, you know, people want results, right? That they, they don't yeah. care about the features. And, you know, I come from a world, like I said, Coca-Cola, where you, the last thing you want to do is talk about your product, right? Because it was, yeah. you know, sugar in a can ultimately, right? So you had to talk about how it made people feel yeah. or how it made people profit or whatever it was, right? You didn't talk about the product. And that's where coming into this SaaS world, it was like, oh, wow, you're still buried in the product, right? It's, get above it. And, you know, you coming in new and fresh, I think that makes a really big difference in all your business experience. And I even see people get stuck in this term that I'm a Salesforce partner. I'm like, you're not a Salesforce partner, right? You actually go and define who you really help. That's who you are. You're not a Salesforce partner. So, you know, for you and the way that you're branded yourself, not over the LinkedIn and and the way you promote yourself, how how you made that transition? Was it natural or you, you know, methodically had to work (laughs) through that? No, I mean, we are a Salesforce partner, but that is not how we market ourselves, right? We are here to help. That's it. It's as simple and as candid as that. If you need help and we can somehow help you, we want to help you. We want to help you do it, get it right the first time. There's so much time spent from time, money, just so much that goes into an implementation. Let's do it right the first time so you can see that investment and the return on that investment right away. And that's all we want to do. That's how we go to market. 
Yeah. And look, everyone has their legacies, right? And I think there are, you know, within every system, including, you know, Salesforce, NetSuite, except to those partners that you know, predominantly, you know, all they chase is the fees, right? And they're just so fixated on, you know, and if things aren't right, that's okay because the client will pay for it to eventually be right. And they're all about the license fees or the fees. But I think, you know, yourself and, and others where I've read your content, et cetera, it's where no, you actually, the quicker you can solve that particular problem will then lead you to bigger and better problems as the business grows. Right. So exactly. I think it is that change of the gut. So we go back to the empowering uh, women. Like, so tell us practically how you're doing that on a day to day basis. Yeah. So, especially during the pandemic, people were trying to transfer the skills. So, by chance, it was not planned or it's still not a formal program. But when we can and when it makes sense, we offer internships, like three month internships where women volunteer their time to learn and showcase their skills, but then also become billable and get compensated on some of our projects if they exist and they have that opportunity based on their experience. So you can then get mentored on just getting that experience and actually applying the skills they're learning from Trailhead. But then also in that program, they get mentoring, like let's talk about resume reviews. Let's talk about interview practices. What are you really looking for in your job? Because sometimes, you know, we're told we need to follow this path. It might not be the path that fits right for you. So actually having those real conversations to find yourself of what do you really enjoy and what do you want to do? And having those very authentic conversations, because at the end of the day, work should be part of your lifestyle, not the definition of your life. So just coming back to that as well to remind them like, hey, we're all working to build the lifestyle we want. So what's important to you yes. in this moment? And that can change too. So like, what are some of the factors that you need to consider when you're looking for your next role? What are your transferable skills that you can look for that you can prep for your interviews? What is the showcase of your portfolio you can show of like, hey, I just don't have all these certs because I can study well, but here's how I've applied the knowledge I've learned. And I have certs to prove that knowledge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And as far as internship, so I know that sometimes, you know, certainly for me, you know, it used to represent young people straight in, either in university or coming out, but, but what are you finding from a diversity point of view and age point of view? Like, you know, what's an internship yeah. mean to you these days? Our internships have mostly been for career changers, moms yeah. who are transitioning back or those women who are moving to America and they're just getting their work permits and they want to be able to get a job. And, you know, they come from a different country and they have a different experience from there, trying to apply it to an American and work culture as well. So getting some training there as well. Yes. So I'm seeing a lot more of experienced women who have at least five, 10 years of experience in whatever industry they were in before switching to Salesforce. And a lot of them are switching to Salesforce for the lifestyle we were talking about, because it does allow a lot more flexibility for you to spend time in other areas of your life that might be more important than just working. Yeah, yeah. And then like we sort of spoke about it earlier, but that's one of the upsides of COVID, if there are any. One of them yeah. is now that, you know, you can work literally from anywhere. You know, as you said, yeah. you're normally based in San Fran, you're in London today working. I'm in Melbourne, Australia, but it, that's just the way that the world is, is going. So it's brilliant. Yeah. It does give that. And, and well done for you for supporting these people to make that transition. Because as you made the leap, you naturally had some skills from business because your family, et cetera, and you knew one day you'd do it, but you still 
got the support when you did it, right? And I think it's the exact yeah. same thing here. So well done for being a champion of the ecosystem, for bringing fantastic women that have had great experience elsewhere that may not be recognized in the Salesforce yeah. ecosystem, and you're helping them to better position that, which is great. You know, we're listening to Pallavi. It's uh, episode 502 of the Cloud Consultant Show. And you can also find out more at candarconsult.com. So what we're going to do now is go into the rapid fire to wrap this interview up. So I'm going to ask you four questions. You're going to give me four rapid responses. You ready? Sure. Let's do this. So the first one is, what are some daily habits that you do to scale Candor Consult? I do a lot of mindfulness in the morning and really take time for myself in the morning to get my day and my thoughts together and give myself grace. I practice a lot of grace that I, I'm not perfect, not going to get everything done. What's the important stuff that I can, and I listen to my body. Those are the things I definitely do to get myself through the day and scale our business. Fantastic. Well, you mentioned Trailhead as one, but what are some other ways that you learn about how to scale and to consult? A lot of it's through networking. So Salesforce has a diversity women founders group that I'm part of. So talking to other women founders, talking to entrepreneurs outside of the Salesforce ecosystem, meeting different folks around the world to talk about what have you done in your past? What are lessons I can learn? Where are they in their journey? And, you know, everyone always has like, oh, if I knew this then I would give myself that advice. I try to really absorb that and see how much of that applies to me and my journey. Well, we're going to flip the sequence of the questions because that's normally the last question, but let's answer that now. What is something that you wish you've had it known five years ago when you've started Canter Consult? I really wish I'd invested a lot more in my infrastructure and processes. You know, I was so busy just delivering and scaling the business and client focus that I didn't focus as much internally on our company as I could have. And so that's one of the advice I give to everybody now is like, make sure your infrastructure is as established as it can be. So you don't have to repeat or go back and redo the process. Yeah. As, as they say, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time <laughs> is today. So the sooner you start, the better. The exactly. last one is uh, a wish. What's one wish we could grant you? I would say for people to talk about design more. I think that's still a mess. I'm a true believer in design thinking. And I think when we talk about design and users and the business more than the technology, we're then hitting the nail on the head per se, because that's when we're designing for the right purpose for the people who need it, who are investing the money in those areas. So I wish design was just so unilateral, like breathing to a certain degree that design was that critical in the implementations that we do. Yeah, brilliant. Well, look, I really thank you for coming on today, sharing your thoughts and wisdom five years in, but I can tell that, you know, you've got lots of experience in corporate America and also coming from a different culture, a different country and being a lady, a female to help the ecosystem. Like you said, there's not enough of you, but with people like you, there's going to be more of you, which we desperately need. So uh, thanks for coming on today and sharing uh, your thoughts. Thank you so much, Paul, for having me. Really appreciate it. What a great interview with Palawa, and she's really, really passionate about helping women get into the ecosystem, which is fantastic. And as she said, she also loves to coordinate with other partners. So if you're a partner and you're either looking at ways that she's developing these interns, or you're also looking to get some great support from a female business owner, please reach out to her. And also what you've learned on this share on LinkedIn, her LinkedIn profile will be in the show notes. 
and also share it with peers of yours because that's the best way to spread the word of great people like this working in the ecosystem and they will think you're a rock star by doing so. Also check out our solo shows and see you next time on the Cloud Consult Show for more quick and simple ways to grow your cloud consulting business and live more of the life that you want. Time for action. Subscribe, comment, and let me know what you like best about this episode. Plus, get your exclusive show extras and growth action guides for subscribers only. Visit techconsultantsblueprint.com.